This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Anthony Kleinwachter and Kyle Agri here. We are your hosts, and we are coming to you from on the ice. One of the things we have wanted to do for a long time is actually get out on the ice and record a Shack Talk podcast. We are fortunate enough today to be hosted by Mr. Randon Olson of Lockjaw Guide Service, who is kind enough to open up one of his rental fish houses here. And so uh, we got all cozied up. We actually went out this morning and got a little bit of tulipy action, guys. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a different thing, you know. It's it's kind of growing in popularity lately, and we have fun fish, fish, fish to catch late season. Yeah, it was nice to get out. Um, you know, things are kind of winding down. We're going to help Randon get a few houses off the ice. The, the season's drawing to a close, and for us, this is going to be our last episode of Shack Talk for the season, and it's been fun. I mean, it's been a lot of challenging conditions in the we talked about it a lot this morning being out and we thought it'd be fun to get Randon in the podcast here and join us and talk about, you know, how his season was for guiding. Cause I know it probably was a little bit more challenging than normal and you know, what a day in the life of a guide is like and what people should expect when they're renting a fish house. Yeah. Cause I think the reality and the perception of it don't always match, right? Because there's a lot of work. I know there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into making sure that clients and customers have a have a great experience while they're here and and while they're working with Randon or any other guide for that matter you know there's lots of them all over the ice belt that are guiding that are hosting clients and and uh, Randon is one example and and I know there's many many more but you know the work that goes in to make this happen I think is sometimes overlooked so I'm I'm interested in in hearing more about that and and like we said we were out early chasing some tulabies we've got a bucket with some tulabies Anthony, uh, we're going to take those home, put them on the smoker, and have some some good eats after after today with those fish. And, you know, this is kind of, you mentioned, it's the last episode of the season. It's it's the last Shack Talk, episode 10 for 2021-22, and it's kind of bittersweet, right? This, this season has gone by, some days it seems like it's gone by really fast. Some days, and I'm sure if Randon were to answer this question, we'd we'd hear that maybe some days there were challenges and it went by kind of slow. But, um, you know, you look in the rearview mirror and you just say, wow, um, it seemed like yesterday we were recording our first episode of the season, Anthony, and it seems like yesterday we were down at the St. Paul Ice Show and the Fargo Ice Show and, and working with all of the, the retailers at the shows, helping customers, and, and here we are now looking at, as we record this, permanent shacks, wheelhouses have to be off the ice in Minnesota. Uh, is it midnight tonight? Midnight tonight, yep. You can still bring houses out, but you can't leave them unattended overnight, right? Past midnight. Right. Um, and so they just can't be left out on the ice. You have to, to bring them back with you when you leave for the day. So uh, there's still there's still some ice fishing opportunities ahead of us, right? There's there's The season isn't done yet. We're not done catching fish, but... Uh, some of these deadlines, Minnesota walleye closed a couple of weeks ago, and, and so things are kind of slowing down for the season. Yeah, things might be winding down, but I'm sure Kyle and Randon would both agree the fishing's only starting to heat up. Like, we've gone through that dead of winter. The fish kind of got a little bit lethargic, and now 
We talked a little bit about it. We're just waiting for the snow to melt and start pushing some of that fresh water through the ice and really fire those fish up. And, you know, a lot of people, they take and uh, push their, um, you know, houses off the lake, get them off the lake and everything. And then, you know, maybe they start packing up their ice fishing gear. Well, don't pack it away yet because the fishing's really starting to get good and you can fish outside and it's a lot more enjoyable. There's a lot of good fishing up. You're right. A lot of good fishing opportunities yet ahead of us. Um, well, we'll just, uh, we'll let the furnace run. You know what? That's one of the <laughs> beauties of recording this out in the ice house. Uh, folks, if you heard that, the furnace kicked on. Uh, if you listen really close, you can probably hear uh, the generator outside. Uh, those are kind of the sounds of the experience. And, and if you've spent some time, any time in a wheelhouse out on the ice, you kind of can relate to that and, and appreciate what those sounds mean and kind of where we're sitting here today and, and how we're, we're doing this episode. So that's all part of the fun. Brandon, tell us a little bit about the season. Now, you, you uh, help with shows. You worked a lot of shows, but at the same time, you're getting ready for customers and clients. How did that, that early season start off for you this year? It, it, you know, a lot, a lot of years it starts off kind of the same. You get early ice, you can go anywhere you want, checking ice, doing all that stuff. Um, fishing's always good. You're always optimistic heading into early January. You know, you got a lot of spots with fish on it. Ice is good. Everything's looking great. Um, and that, that, it seems like that first couple weeks of January is always when kind of what's going to define your season. How, how does that go compared to the rest of the year? And this one was no different. I mean, the first couple of weeks were pretty cold, nasty, a lot of wind, a lot of snow. Um, and it kind of stayed like that through the rest of the season. But um, overall, it's been a pretty good season. It's just you got to work at it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's had its challenges. I know, you know, Anthony, where you and I live, Fargo, I think they said, we were talking about it this morning. Was it 10 blizzards officially that we've had down here in Ottertail County? You're at, like, what? Eight, eight or nine, eight or like nine. That. You're not far behind. I you know the challenges of the season this year have been wind, snow, and cold. And and many years, I know we deal with those things, but man, but so often it's individually. This year, it's like we got hit, and it's all three of them, all the time together to the extreme. Yeah, yeah, and we talked a lot about even the fronts coming through, even if it wasn't a blizzard, it seemed like every day or every other day, there was a different front coming through pressure changes, wind changes, wind direction changes, all of that stuff. As a guide, Randon, how did that kind of affect your fishing or maybe even affect your approach to, you know, where, where you were targeting these fish or where you're setting up some of your houses? Yeah, it, it definitely made things difficult, right? I mean, travel alone was a big issue all season long, still is right now. Um, next couple of weeks will get better, but but the whole season travel has been the big issue. Um, even if you could find fish, if you found them on a snowmobile, you couldn't necessarily get a house there, you know, without a lot of work. So, so trying to adjust and find areas that you could still catch fish and still be on a good spot, but you could also access, that was a big, big challenge this season. And uh, I said earlier, you had to want it. You had to really go for it, you know. You can't be afraid to not go somewhere just because the, the conditions were bad. You just had to work a little harder at it. Well, and everybody thinks, you know, as a guide, you're fishing every day. Like, it's got to be the dream life. But we talked a little bit about this morning. You got clients coming out at 8 a.m. What time are you out on the ice getting things set up? Oh, yeah, it's, it's at least two to three-hour window before they show up. You're on the lake. And, uh, you know, and I fished, I think, two or three times January and February combined for two months. I maybe dropped a line two or three times. 
Um, and, and, and that's okay. You know, that's why I did this. I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, not complaining at all. But, um, yeah, you're not fishing all day, every day. You're running shacks. You're, you're cleaning garbages. You're checking propane. You're setting up other shacks, moving people around. I mean, it's a nonstop gig. And, um, but it's enjoyable. I love it. Your operation, Randon, you've got six of these wheelhouses. They're Ice Castle wheelhouses. They're, uh, are they 21 feet? Yep. Uh, 21 foot models. So, so you have them available for rental for customers. You, you, you frequently move them. I yep. know that because I've seen it. And um, what goes into prep before the season? What, as far as getting these shacks ready for people to, to be out here using them? Uh, the prep work starts as soon as they come off the lake in the, in the spring. So, like, today we're taking them off. They're going home, and you got to start going through furnaces. you got to start cleaning. The entire house gets hospitalized clean. I mean, as, as sanitary as we can get it. Um, you go over all the woodwork in the house. You're checking wiring, checking propane, making sure everything's in good condition before summer. And then you basically do it all again in the fall. You know, they sat all summer, so you got to do it all again in the fall. Um, greasing wheels, checking chains. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a long list. Wow. There's a lot that goes into it. Again, perception and reality. The, the perception that you, you're you living the dream, fishing every day with your feet up in the air and, and uh, your shades on is not necessarily what the reality of, of the choice of being a fishing guide is all about. And how about when you're getting these houses on the lake? What goes into getting a house set up on a spot, um, obviously where you want and probably depends on lake conditions and how much snow you've got. I know you've done a lot of plowing and things, but talk us through what you go through when you're getting a house set up on a spot and you know how you maybe put some thought into that and not just plow a trail, plop it down, drill some holes. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, big difference, you know, when you're, when you're going out of a portable, you're going to fish somewhere maybe one night, maybe a couple hours, something like that. Um, and you always have that option in the back of your mind. Well, it takes me 10 minutes to plop this thing over, move another 40 feet, move a mile, whatever it is, set back down, you're fishing again. With the houses, with people coming in, you're trying to set it on a spot that's going to be good. I, and I go for a weekend. I try to try to move houses every week. So I'm shooting for that three-day window, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, fresh ice is always good, but you, you have to fine-tune these spots. You can't just kind of get close with them you got to find that spot on the spot, and that takes a lot of camera work underwater, um, a lot of drilling holes, a lot of scouting, um, and you really got just, like I said, just fine-tuning it. That's kind of what you're doing. You're looking for that real tight weed line or that drop-off, something different over there. Um, you know, when it gets bluegill time and stuff, you can get away with being off a little bit, but during the main season when you're chasing walleyes, you got to be pretty precise. It, it's a couple-hour ordeal at least for moving one house. Yeah, you got to take it all down. You got to jack it all up. You got to get it prepared for to move. Then you have to actually have to move it. And of course, as we've been talking this year, snow, slush, ice conditions on the lake. You don't just pick it up and drive, you know, a quarter mile to the south, right? You you you've got to prepare the site. You got to make sure that that ice conditions are adequate. Um, so that takes time as well. Yeah, um, and, and you got to be choosy, you know, like this year with the snow and slush, you, you might have a, as the crow flies, it might only be a half a mile, but you might have to go a mile and a half to get there. Um, so that's just another one of the challenges. I know that uh, when you look at the way you place your houses, um, you try and spread them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in the year, you were on a different lake than we're on today, and, and you had houses scattered um, 
go across a pretty wide area. So you had to have roads going between them, to them, around them. Uh, you've got to have, have, you know, parking areas for people when they're driving out. I mean, it's, there's a lot that goes to it. But there's a lot of fun, too, right? And you get to see folks come on in and experience the, the, the uh, fun, the exhilaration, the, the excitement of catching fish, but also spending a night and camping out on the lake. Yeah, it's definitely the experience side of it is, I think, what a lot of people get. Um, yeah, obviously, you're there to catch fish and, you know, have some fun. But the experience of sleeping on a fish house on the lake, you know, you, you're waking up to, to rattle reels moving, wrangling, um, the furnace kicking on, you know, wet feet from holes next to you. And that's all kind of part of the experience. Ice cracking, that's a big one I always hear people talk about when it's 20 below outside and you're sleeping in the shack and get waking up because the ice is booming and banging and popping. And um, the experience is the big kicker. When it comes to different experiences, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, we had, you had clients and guests from kind of all over the ice belt and all over the country for that matter. What do you get for like impressions for maybe somebody that's never slept on the ice or maybe, maybe never even been ice fishing before? Yeah, there's always a hesitation. You know, people that don't do it a lot or have never done it. Um, for instance, last year I had some guys come up from Missouri, and they'd never been on a frozen lake, never heard of it. I mean, never done anything with ice fishing. And we pulled up to the shack, um, and the, the lack of commu- communication on my end or what it was, they assumed we, that was the cabin, and we would go out to the lake from there. They didn't realize <laughs> we were already on the lake. So so a little bit of blood drained out of their face when we, when we opened it up and there's holes through the floor. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool, and it's neat for me to, to kind of help them take that first leap, get out there and then experience that. that. I get a lot out of that. That's pretty cool. What's your favorite? So that, there's that, but is that number one, or what's your favorite part of being a guide? Seeing people catch fish. That, that's my favorite. Um, said I don't fish a whole lot in the winter, and I'm fine with that because I, I honestly enjoy walking into a house and looking up at the TV screen, and there's – 500 bluegills down there and they're just windmilling them you know they're almost ignoring you because they're too busy catching fish that's awesome when i noticed too we got into the shack here and as soon as we got in randon's turning the camera around is that something that you put in most of your houses have those types of options or what can a person expect when they're coming into one of your houses yeah our, our shacks are set up with cameras in them um we do have some flashers and stuff you know to rent as well um a lot of the spots i fish I try to make it as easy as possible, um, but a lot throughout the season, you know, weather dependent and all that stuff, you're going to have to fish a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's, it's still fishing. You're going to have to work a little bit and catch fish, but um, we do our best to try to make it easy as we can. Um, you know, we got bait buckets in here. We got rulers in here. We got the regulations posted on the wall, so you don't have to try to remember that stuff. Um, the stoves are in here, ovens, the dry flush toilets, everything. It's It's... It's a hotel room on the lake, and we try to make it as easy as possible. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's just go back to this season because I got a feeling it's been a memorable one. I know it is for me, Anthony. I'm guessing you're going to say the same thing, just with sometimes challenges, even though it's not that giant fish you caught, the challenge creates the memory and how you overcame that challenge. Uh, about two weeks ago, you had – a memorable day, Randon. Tell us a little bit about how that all went down. You got to you got to know the cab of your pickup truck pretty well. I, I did. Um, to 
to back up before that one, you know, we had had, like we'd said earlier, eight or so blizzards already this year. Um, some of them hit 45, 50 mile an hour winds. Um, and they weren't that bad. Like, like visibility was bad. It was nasty out, but you could still drive down the roads, plow roads out. You could still fish. Well, this one started off just like all the other ones. Um, and I was plowing roads, heading back to go pick up some customers, and the wind just kicked to another notch. It went up to 70-plus. Um, one of the neighbors down the road actually said he had, like, 77. Wow. And it was blowing bad. Um, I couldn't see the plow in the front of my truck. I had gotten stuck in my own plowed road because the snow was just blowing in faster than you could push it. Um, I was three-tenths of a mile from shore, so I wasn't that far, but I couldn't see shore. So I hunkered in for ten and a half hours and... I cleaned my truck about four or five times, read out of the Bible for a few hours, laid on Facebook, I, whatever I could do to pass the time. Um, and, and the main reason, I should say, why I did that is I knew once it got dark, I could see shore. Yeah. So then I could walk back to shore if I needed to, you know. Um, and that was the big thing, just stay safe, right? But, yeah, that was a, that was definitely a memorable experience. Ice safety is something that, you know, we talk about a lot, especially early ice. I know you talk to your clients about it early in the season when you're venturing out, how important it is to be be cognizant of, of ice safety. You don't always think about late February, ice safety, making sure that you're going to get off the lake and back home at the end of the day, right? right. But that's just as big of a of an issue. The, the consequences are just as serious. Um Riding a storm out, 10 hours on the lake, you know, you were safe, you were fine, but a little bit of inconvenience, right? Yeah, yeah basically comes down to winter survival, right? You don't necessarily think about it when you're going out fishing, but, you know, having all the gear that you need, you know, food, water, supplies, you know, if, you know, things happen, you know, maybe you're stuck out on the ice for a day or an extra day, you know, depending on the weather and things like that. Um, it definitely makes it a little interesting making sure, like, you know, coming out on a guided or rented fish house, you know that you've got propane that's going to last you and all of that stuff. But, you know, if you're bringing your own house out, maybe it's something you don't necessarily always think about and just being prepared for anything and everything that it can throw at you. And I'm sure that's kind of what you've learned as being a guide. Yeah, and definitely. And, you know, and I'd gotten pretty comfortable being on the lake. Um, and that so I didn't have snow pants with me. I didn't have my gear with. I just had what I was wearing and I had a few snacks in the truck and some water. Um, I'll tell you right now, there's a little survival kit in my trucks now. <laughs> Pretty important piece of equipment. Yeah, there's a lot of Snickers bars and Gatorades. <laughs> you know, you just don't always think about those things um, until you've been through an experience like that. So that's, that's important. Let's just talk back a little more about the fishing. Uh, Anthony, you mentioned all the fronts that went through this year and just, uh, it seemed relentless. You couldn't get three days of consistent, stable weather. I, I don't remember any time during the, this, this past winter where we've had that. Um, what did that do to fishing out here in, in some of the lakes that you fish? You know, and like I said earlier, it started off pretty normal. December was fairly normal, early ice. That was all the normal spots. Everything worked out good. Um, right around New Year's, right when the stuff started to kind of get nasty, the fish really pulled into the mud. And, and this is more so walleyes, but a lot of the species did. They, they pull out to the mud a lot sooner than they normally do. Um, and that creates its own challenges. That's kind of a needle in a haystack in the mud. You're essentially trying to find a spot that they want to hang out for that day. And it might work that day, and the next two weeks might be horrible. Um, so that's, that's a definitely big challenge. 
Um, it definitely slowed the bite up. It kind of pushed us to that midwinter thing a little sooner, I think. Um, but the flip side is, is it's kind of kicking back around here the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks, everything's been getting better and better and better every day. Um, and, and I think a lot of that's, you know, the weather's starting to stabilize out a little bit. We're getting nicer days, not so many windstorms and nightmarish days out there. Um, but I would say overall, mediocre was about the word for fishing this winter. Um, you, you did have to work. There was no gimmies this winter, that's for sure. So, When you talked a little bit, you know, obviously we were fishing some tulabies this morning. We talked about walleyes, panfish. What species did you all target, and what, you know, can somebody come in to fish with you target throughout the winter season? The, the beauty about me is, is I get bored fishing the same thing. I have to change it up a lot. And with six ice castles, I, I try to kind of even it out, two on one species, two on another, two on another. Um, most of the year, we're kind of focusing mostly on, like, bluegills, pan, crappies, and walleyes. Um, but we're more than willing, like, we, we had a guy uh, last year wanted burbot. We moved the house out and, and set it on eel pout. Um, we've done pike ones. We've done kind of everything. Um, and that's just the way, that's just kind of stems from me. I just, I get bored fishing the same things all the time. So I like to change it up. Um, and at, at that time, too, you're spreading things out. You're not containing yourself to one area and, and really beating on schools of fish. You know, you're giving everything a break um, and moving around the lake and spreading things up. What can clients and customers expect when they come to Lockjaw Guide Service? And maybe in the bigger picture, just some advice for folks, no matter who they choose uh, in their area or the destination they're heading, um, no matter who they choose to hire as a guide, as a host, what what should people expect when they're going into a, a situation like that? I think you got to be you got to have realistic expectations when you're going on a fishing trip. Um, the accommodations are one thing because that can't change. That's whatever that guide has with you, has for you. That's what he's got, right? Um, but when it comes to the fishing side of things, stay in contact with your guide. Um, your guide will be able to tell you he's out there every single day. Whether he's fishing or not, he's getting reports from his houses. He's getting reports from the lake, from the people. So he kind of knows what the bite's doing. He can kind of get a pretty good idea of what it's going to be like. Um, so just stay in contact with him, you know. And and a lot of times, like, there, there's a lot of times if the walleye bite really dies and somebody's coming in, we'll, we'll pull the house the next day and move it on to bluegills or something. Give them something a little bit better, get some action going. Um, and I think that's... And people appreciate that, but at the same time, that you just need to be realistic. You know, in the middle of winter, February, you're not probably not going to go sit in a house and catch 40 walleyes. It's not typical happens, at least around here. Um, January, that's a possibility. Or late December, maybe. Um, but you just got to be realistic. So, you know, that's that's another thing, too. And, and sometimes people think, well, I know how to fish. I don't have tiger guide. I, I already know. Well... It's the nuances of that lake. It's the nuances of that day or that week that you may not know. That's the advantage, right, to be able to hire somebody who is in tune with all of those things. And it's important to remember that, hey, you rent a, a, a wheelhouse from, from Randon or from someone else, you're not locked in to the seat in that house. We did that with you earlier this year, about five, six weeks ago. We, a group of us rented houses from you, and we were on a walleye spot. And one of the afternoons, we, we brought along our snowmobiles and our portables. We, we hooked the Eskimo up and, and ran across the lake, and we chased crappies. There's endless numbers of options, no matter what lake it is, no matter what place you're at, um, to use a situation like this as base camp and then go from there. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you look at it as a big condo unit, really. I mean, and you get to fish, and you can have rattle reels down all night. Uh, but like you said, you can kind of do whatever you want. You can hole hop if the weather's great. I mean, I'm sure people, you know, in the area here like to ride snowmobiles and do different things, cross-country ski, snowshoeing, sledding. Um, you know, I know when I take my kids out on the lake, we always got to bring a sled with so we can pull it behind the snowmobile and different things. So, yeah, I think keeping the options open and not just – getting into a house and feeling like you're stuck there for two days. Right. And, and that's a big part. You know, when I set houses, I'm always looking for that night bite stuff. Yep. And that's kind of what we focus on with the houses, with the rentals and stuff. Um, so that, and that plays into that. Bring your, bring your equipment with, bring your portable with your auger, your sleds, you know, get back here six o'clock at night, fish through the night and the next morning, go out and so chase things, go have fun, go explore the lake, go find some stuff and come back in and have your dinner and, you know, Put some rattle reels down while you're eating your spaghetti or whatever. I don't know. Having a fish uh, fry, whatever. Yeah, you're doing. having yeah. a fish fry, um, and that, that's that's part of the experience too. That's awesome, Brandon. You you uh, guide year round, yep. so now that the wheelhouses have to be off the lake, what does your life look like? Are you going to go uh, kick the recliner back for a couple of weeks, or are you going to still have clients uh, on portables? Are you going to be preparing for the open water? What uh, what does it look like as the season kind of gets into this final phase? So, so March and April get to be kind of busy months because we're still doing some of the rentals. We're pulling permanents back out. As long as somebody stays in them, they can be back out. Um, so we're still doing a few of them on the weekends. Um, a few during the weekdays, we're doing guided trips in the portables, running around catching tulabies, bluegills, crappies. Um, and at the same time, we're, we're getting the boat starting ready. Um, you know, we, we go down south a little bit, some of the border waters, and do some of that. So that's usually early, mid-April. Maybe not this year, but maybe not this year, but but normally that's about that time. So it's kind of a you kind of just keep on going. You don't really stop. There's not a lot of downtime, so to speak. Um, and the same goes for the fall. You know, last year I was breaking ice with a chisel. A week later, I was on the ice with my portable catch a walleye. So um, it's just kind of the the way it is. Let's talk about equipment because um, not, it's not only your wheelhouses that people are accessing when they rent from you, right? You, you as a guide, uh, you've got your cameras, you got your flashers that are available, uh, but more importantly, you you need augers, right? Every time you set a house, you got to drill out how many are six, seven holes in this thing. Um, how important is it to have some good quality equipment, and and how much of of your workload is maintaining that equipment? Oh, it, a lot of it. You you tend to, you know, like you said earlier, a lot of times people look at a guide and they think he just fishes all the time. And, and you do fish, but but you almost have to be kind of a jack of all trades. You got to be able to do your own vehicle work. You got to be able to do your own rod and reel repair. You got to fix a lot of different stuff. And, and having good equipment um, is, is paramount. It really is. I mean, the less time I'm working on the stuff, I'm spending on the lake finding fish and getting the houses on good spots. So um, great equipment is probably one of the biggest things you need during the winter, for sure. Yeah, and I'd argue, you know, from any experience that I have fishing with guides or knowing guides, if if they will vouch for a product and say that it's guide-tested, I'm usually taking their word for it because they put it through the ringer. I mean, they're using it every day, and they've found the flaws. And, you know, you look at some of the guides across the industry, whether it's Eskimo or some of the other brands. I mean, there's a reason that they have guides on their teams because they're putting that stuff to the test and they'll find the flaw and they're getting it back to R and D. And I know a lot of that information gets used um, and that feedback is really vital. 
hugely important, hugely important. If, if it's good enough for a guide, usually it's going to be good enough for me, right? That, yeah. uh, that they're going to put the test. Like you said, they're using it every single day. Um, cool. This is, this is awesome. It's kind of fun. Thank you for opening up your, your house for us and letting us come in and, and visit for a while today. Any other thoughts as we're kind of closing out? Huh? Not really. No, it's yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the ice season. I know we're wrapping up shack talk and I know we're taking houses off the lake, but for me, March has always been my favorite month to fish. I mean, if I can't get out early ice with conditions or whatever it is, Late season's always my favorite. You get to run around, don't have to sit in a fish house, get some nice days, and you can wear a dark sweatshirt, and it warms up in the sun, and um, a lot of good times to be had, and that water starts to run down the hole. I know we talked about that, and that really kicks everything into gear. Those fish just switch into a different gear, and they want to eat, and you don't have to finesse them as much, and makes the the job as the angler a little bit easier. Does make it a little bit easier, Anthony, as we we look at rounding out the ice season for another year. Do you have any other trips? Do you got any you have anything planned here that you're going to get in before uh ice out happens? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lake of the Woods being a border water, walleye season doesn't close up there, so I mean, I know I've got a trip planned up there. They've got great opportunities for late ice pike fishing and you know, that's always one of my favorites too and just getting out around here, panfish, bluegills, um, crappies, maybe even some burbot. Um, we'll see what happens. But just because the season's starting to wind to a close doesn't mean that I'm putting anything away yet. How about you, Kyle? Well, I'm, I'm going to be on your coattails on Lake of the Woods because I think we may be up there at the same time, and I'll be relying on you and your experience to uh, maybe give me a little guidance on how to make it a successful trip, which I'm really excited for. Um, we've already made our trip up to Lake Winnipeg. We were up there a couple of weeks ago and, um, I, I really want to get back up there, but I just don't know if there's enough days in the month. It, it, March is full speed ahead, right? I'm not putting anything away either, but there's only so many days. And when you get some local trips together and, and maybe a trip to Lake of the Woods, Lake Winnipeg is, is a want, I just don't know if it's going to be a reality. I'd, I'd love to think I'm going to get back up there one more time. If I could do both Lake of the Woods and Lake Winnipeg one more time for the year, I think, man, that would be the cherry on top and, and life would be pretty good. And of course we're going to get out who knows how many times, as many times as, as mother nature allows us to down in this area, which Ottertail County is about you know, hour, hour and 15 minutes from home for both of us. So there'll be ample opportunities to get back down this direction and do some more fishing. Brandon, are you going to get a chance to wet a line yourself? I, I think so. You know, I was just sitting here thinking to myself what my most important tools are, and it'd be an auger and a camera. You know, a fishing rod's not even my top two. <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of part of being a guy. You're just constantly looking and searching and drilling holes and stuff. But I think I'm actually going to get a wet a line this March. It's going to be fun. That is great. And as we speak, you know, we're sitting here in the shack recording, and, and Brandon's got a buddy, Rob, over there on the other end who's who's – fishing bluegills and i think all of our mouths are watering here because he's sitting over there and we can see the fish on the camera and he i think he's having a pretty darn good time um so we're going to close up here in a, in a couple of minutes with this episode of shack talk but uh, anthony any closing thoughts on the season anything uh, that you want to share as far as what's coming around the, the corner for next year yeah i mean we're always looking at putting things on the schedule for next year and getting things set up for the season, uh, whether that's guests or segments or topics that we want to talk about. And I know this season was no exception. We got some suggestions from the listeners and from the, 
the people who download and listen to Shack Talk. So, I mean, we're always open to those. So if you want, feel free to send those over to us. We're always happy to think about different things to talk about and who to talk to. I mean, I think we had another good season of guests, and I'm sure we'll have another solid lineup next season. So, you know, the, the planning, like, guide season never ends. The planning for Shack Talk never ends. And, you know, we have a really good opportunity to to talk to a lot of great minds. I know Kyle and I are selfishly uh, – Soaking in all the information, and I think, you know, maybe even just tying it back to the guide conversation, if you're going out with a guide, it's not just to fish in their houses or use their equipment. It's to get that knowledge and education from them. They're going to teach you. They're going to tell you what tactics are working, you know, and and just being able to learn some of that makes it even that much more valuable. For sure. Absolutely. I've always said the more I've learned about what role and jobs guides do – it's as much teacher and as much hospitality as it is actually the fishing part of it, right? It's, it's the teaching, the fishing, it's the hospitality of making the experience enjoyable. Um, back to what you said, Randon, you got to be a jack of all trades, right? And uh, to what you said, Anthony, uh, your comment about the prep for Shack Talk never ends. We're going we're gonna to wrap this season up. And, and some seasons we get to episode 10 and, and you know, you got to jump onto the ice from the shore some some years like this, we got some ice fishing ahead of us. We got some fun to be had yet. Um, it's exciting to be a part of it. It's exciting to uh, be able to have the opportunity to talk to all of those guests because I'm I'm with you. Um, we got a pretty good gig here. We got the easy part. We're just sitting back and, and listening and learning from all of these uh, experts and great guests that we get to have on the podcast. And it's pretty fun uh, to be able to do that. So really happy for another season that's that's come our way. Yeah, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to everybody that downloads. Um, we really enjoy being able to do this, and we're glad that somebody listens. I mean, from the analytics, we get the downloads and the views, but you know, hopefully they listen for more than a couple of minutes anyway and um, enjoy the content. So, again, thank you to the listeners. Thanks to Eskimo for allowing us to put together the podcast and get great guests on. And uh, we just want to wish everybody a good, safe, and enjoyable rest of their ice fishing season, and we'll talk to you next year.